This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome to Lake Kick is Live. It is Thursday night, October, is it really October 14th? Yes, October 14th, year of our Lord, 2021. We got a jam-packed show. We've got, I think, a voice that is a quarter of the tank full, which should be enough to get us through tonight. What an unfortunate ending to the show the other night. We had no protocol in place. I mean, Director and Colin, Direct Colin and I, we have like quality control for every possible disaster scenario. If a rhinoceros runs in the studio, we know what we're going to do. Voice goes out, we didn't know what to do the other night. So that's on us. Fool us once, shame on, well, however that goes. Anyway, so if it happens tonight, we'll deal with it. We'll go get some water. We'll come back because I had no problem talking like five minutes later. Uh, we have got a week seven that I certainly wouldn't compare to last week, but I would say, especially in the noon window, it's sneaky good. It's like really, really sneaky in that there's no top five versus top five matchup, but there are really a number of good ones. We're going to preview and predict a lot of them tonight. I also want to talk about several contending teams. There's a really good feature on the front page right now, I still think even of this hour of uh, on 247sports.com, of the biggest threats and the biggest concerns maybe that are facing the remaining contending teams out there. Going to hit some of them, not all of them tonight. Also, Dabo Swinney talking about the transfer portal, and it's kind of echoing a lot of what we really predicted would happen in the preseason, not specifically for this year, but in the overall landscape of Clemson football, they're exactly where we thought they would be now. Are they going to go where I thought and still do think that they'll go? We'll talk about that tonight. Also, got a couple of best bets to add. I feel good about this week. We have got our explosion week coming up. Maybe it's this week. At Late Kick Josh, make sure you're following on Twitter and Instagram. As you very well know by now, the Renaissance Tour is headed to Knoxville, Tennessee. We don't have to get on an airplane this week. Thank the Lord, because uh, we barely made it home last week. So we're headed to Knoxville. We're going to be there Friday night. There is a phenomenal and I mean phenomenal, according to what I'm told, Fleetwood Mac tribute band in town Friday night. Dare I? Think I might. And then, of course, we got a really big football game there Saturday night. Hey, uh, I don't know which game you're going to this week, but you need to be aware, this is the first weekend where it's going to be like full board jacket weather by the time the Saturday games kick off. It's going to be in like the 40s or low 50s in Knoxville Saturday night. So be ready, because I know it's warm out there, children, but there's a big, sweeping, classical fall cold front moving through the lower 48. So don't get caught off guard. By the way, Academy's got everything you need. I'll tell you about that in a little while. So let's dive into week seven. We've already picked, I think, three games the other night before the old voice gave out, so we've got several more to get to tonight. And uh, by the way, thank you for joining us. So let's dive into some more week seven games. Oklahoma State is at Texas. Yes, the undefeated. Oklahoma State Cowboys are at Texas Saturday. This is one of many games that kick off noon Eastern. It's 11 local time. This one is on Fox. Yeah, Texas minus four. Texas just a four-point favorite. I do not like, and I'll say this up front, the scheduling dynamic that is allowed to happen here. Texas coming off Red River. Oklahoma State coming off, I don't know, probably going home to see mom. They were off last week. And so obviously 
if you just look purely at the schedule dynamics with arrested Oklahoma State and Texas coming off of what always is an emotional spent afternoon against Oklahoma, yeah, you don't like that. And here's another edge, a couple of them actually, that Oklahoma State may have in this game. They're good at getting pressure, and they're pretty good at preventing pressure. And you can, you can kind of envision an afternoon where if Texas is not clicking, which is, a, a very, a, I think, a very viable concern given what they went through last week, that, that can wreak havoc on third downs. Because if they're getting pressure, you know those games where things just seem wobbly, and all of a sudden pass pro doesn't hold up and your quarterback's on his back, boom, you punt the ball. Or, conversely, you've got them in a bunch of third and five to third and eight situations, but you can't quite get home to the quarterback, and they get a ball off, and boom, move the chains. Could be that kind of afternoon. Uh, it could be a recipe for disaster, but I will tell you, I looked at the model on this one, and it had a Texas win. It thinks the number's right. I don't know how. Uh, well, I do. They can, they can achieve at a fairly high enough level offensively. really loved what Xavier Worthy did last week for Texas. The model likes the number. I like the number. So I like Texas to win. But anything above a field goal, if you're having to bet the game, I'd end up rolling with Oklahoma State. I don't have any field betting the game. I have no feel whatsoever. But I'm going to go with Texas to win. And then if they do, then obviously they're still in contention for everything. Uh, Big 12 championship appearance still in play. So I'm going to take Texas narrowly, very narrowly. What about Florida at LSU? Another noon kickoff, noon Eastern time. You're going to notice a trend here. In fact, the first four games we talk about are all noon kickoffs. This one's on ESPN. Florida is favored by 11 and a half. Do you remember this game last year? Yes. The short answer is you do. And if you don't, here's a clue. Shoo. That's the only clue you need. That was this game. Last year, it was Florida favored by about 24 in the swamp. This year, they're favored by a little bit shorter number, 11 and a half in Baton Rouge. I'm trying to find an edge for LSU, and I really couldn't. Ed Orgeron's been vocal this week. We had a players-only meetings, the best week of practice we've had. I, I don't care. I don't put a whole lot of stock into it. I've seen a lot of players-only meetings precede five touchdown blowouts. I've also seen not a peep coming out of a camp during the week and them springing an upset Saturdays. I, all that stuff's anecdotal. I don't really care about that. What I do know is at this point in the season, I think Florida's got the better team, got the better roster. A lot of guys missing now for LSU. Uh, motivation is not going to be in short supply at all, not only because of what happened last year, but because of what happened two weeks ago. Last time you saw Florida go on the road, they were also favored then, and they went to Kentucky, and they got embarrassed at Kentucky. And I think that's fresh in everyone's mind there. And so you've also got the revenge angle and all that stuff, but team chemistry matters at this point in the season. Like, I certainly don't look at Florida and say, well, they've mailed it in by any stretch. I mean, not, not even in the conversation. At LSU, you can have that concern and the other concern that they're just not a good team right now. And so there's zero chance of a letdown here. I think Florida's a considerably better team. I don't know, and this is something you'll have to see when the game comes on. I don't know how much home field is truly going to impact Florida here. I know a lot of LSU folks. I know some season ticket holders who won't be there Saturday. I'll tell you that. And so I'm going to take Florida to win. I think anything under two touchdowns, Florida covers. So I'll take the Gators uh, in any shape, form, or fashion. Auburn. At Arkansas, guess what? Noon kickoff, Eastern time, 11 a.m. local time. Arkansas finally favored again, favored by four and a half. It's on CBS, doubleheader day on CBS. So they got this one, then they got Kentucky, Georgia at 3.30. I wonder how much Arkansas has left in the tank. This has been a brutal three or four week stretch for them. And if you really go back even further, 
think about how many weeks they've seemingly been in the spotlight. They had the Texas game, and then they had Georgia Southern came in there, which I thought was admirable because they didn't have any kind of letdown. But then started the stretch of Texas A&M, and that was obviously in Dallas. And then, like, they've, that game alone, they won the game, but then obviously you get a little banged up there. Well, then you got to go to Georgia, get on a plane again, and you get boat raced at Georgia. That's okay. Georgia's going to beat a lot of teams this year. Get back on a plane, go to Ole Miss, score 51, and have it still not be enough for you. And you just wonder, you come home and now you play Auburn. There is no Arkansas Pine Bluff in the middle there. They play them next week. This is back to back to back to back. It's like a sledgehammer to one knee, sledgehammer to the other knee. All right, finally, we're done with the sledgehammer. Nope, here comes another sledgehammer. That is SEC. Well, that's conference play down here, but specifically when you play in the West. And so that's the backdrop for this game here. Uh, Auburn, I'm looking at them, and I'm remembering the Penn State game on the road. Admirable performance and a loss. The LSU game on the road. Admirable performance and a win. Thought it was the proudest moment of Bo Nix's career thus far at Auburn, um, all things considered. I understand winning the Iron Bowl uh, in his heart probably means a lot more than that. But just overall, everything included there. I think missed tackles, been a problem for him, them being Arkansas. Uh, explosives, they've given up a few more, tend to do that, obviously, when you play Ole Miss. The flags, ironically, even in a loss last week, tapered off a lot. Arkansas didn't get penalized a lot last week. But when you play back-to-back-to-back-to-back tough games, that's the kind of stuff you start to worry about. You start to just worry about, I've already used this word once tonight, general wobbliness about your program. So they've got Pine Bluff, and then they've got the bye coming up if they can just get through this. Both of these teams still have a whole lot to play for. I think both of them have two losses. And so, I mean, they're, they're still in contention for very, very good seasons. It's the first time at home in a month for Arkansas. I think they're going to find a way to get it done. I think it's a very close game. I do not even like that many points being given. And so I know it doesn't sound wise, but I'm telling you I'm not betting the game. If I had to, I would take Auburn plus the points. However, I think Arkansas is going to win the game. Just shows you I think it's going to be a tight game either way. Let's stay in the noon window, and let's go to Bloomington. Indiana, you forgot all about them, didn't you? That's okay. And they didn't play last week either. They're at home. And they're welcoming in whomst? Well, the undefeated Michigan State Spartans. That's who they're welcoming in. So you figure Michigan State, undefeated. Indiana, long since been written off. What do we got? About a 10, 12-point spread here. Four and a half. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Noon kickoff, as I said, FS1. A lot of people are concerned because Indiana could be without Michael Penix. This is an illusion. It is a big-time illusion a lot of times in college football when someone says, starting quarterbacks out, which means you, it's supposed to mean you have no chance of winning. It hardly ever means that. You know one of our modus operandi, I'm going to assume that's plural column, is we just kind of blindly bet on backup quarterbacks. Might we do it here? We might. Stay tuned for the end of the show. Michael Penix has been turning the ball over left and right this year. He hasn't really been a strength. And also... Indiana's got one of the sneaky best quarterback depth situations in America. They got Jack Tuttle there. He's experienced. They got him from Utah, I believe. He's a good quarterback. We've already seen him play winning football for Indiana in the past. So I don't worry about this. There is not a drop-off at all. In fact, I'm not predicting this, but you could make the argument. You could end up seeing a net improvement if they do nothing more than not turn the ball over, guys. It's a net improvement. And so I don't really care. To be honest with you, who starts at quarterback for Indiana, I don't really care here. 
I do know that that Indiana defense is probably underrated in one aspect, at least, and that's third down defense. Uh, they are at, or at least near the top of the Big Ten in that metric. And so everyone, including yours truly right now, is looking down the road just a little ways. And they're looking to the potential for an undefeated Michigan versus undefeated Michigan State showdown. I think that would be October 30th because MSU's got to buy after this game. And so do they get through this one? The model does not think so. The model thinks the wrong team is favored in this game. We are absolutely on Indiana plus the points. Uh, I am slightly, I mean ever so slightly, leaning towards picking an upset here. I think it's very close. Um, so I, I, do, I do like Indiana and the points. Why not? I'll take Indiana to win outright. I will tell you, though, selfishly, kind of hope I'm wrong. Nothing against Indiana. Kind of hope I'm wrong, though, because I'd love to see that undefeated undefeated in East Lansing. Love to be there, actually. I've never been to East Lansing. Colin, I don't know if I've been to Michigan. So we could knock down several dominoes. And who's to say I couldn't go up there anyway? But I think Indiana's going to cover, and there is a, a very solid shot at the upset there. Of course, you could also see a 30-9 to favorite covers and win situation. Now, the only game that I have on the sheet that is not at noon is not even close to noon. It's at 7.30 Eastern Time, ABC. This is TCU at Oklahoma. TCU, about a 13.5-point dog here. I actually like the quarterback dynamic with Oklahoma this week. A lot of people think this is un... Well, yeah, they would think it's an unenviable position to be in to have a lot of drama. I don't think so. Uh, Drama only matters as much as you let it matter. So you know the whole... You know, Spencer Rattler out, Caleb Williams in, make no mistake, that's who's starting this game. If he doesn't, I'd be shocked, let me tell you that. So, I think Caleb Williams, the true freshman, is starting this game. Here's why I am not bothered by it and why I like it. Number one, because I think he gives them the best shot to win right now. So, that's, that's first and foremost by a country mile. But then after that, I love that they have that dynamic going on because it takes care of any kind of lack of focus. I don't think they've been worried about Texas at all this week. I think they turned the page pretty quick because so much of the focus out there is dialed into the here and now. So I don't think they're looking past TCU. I don't think it's a threat of a letdown. And if you combine that, if I'm right, and you combine that with the fact that Oklahoma found their ground game last week, uh, the insertion of Caleb Williams certainly gives them a different dynamic on the ground with the ability to do all different kinds of stuff in the zone read game. And also the fact that TCU's given up like a half a mile on the ground the last three weeks. I like Oklahoma's chances here not only to win, but atypically in this position. I actually think they could get a little margin here. That number's big. I know 13 and a half coming off the Texas game. I actually think Oklahoma switched that fl- or flipped that switch last week. I, I think Oklahoma's going to win and end up stretching this thing past two touchdowns. So give me the Sooners to win and the Sooners to cover. And that's about all the games we have time to predict this week. I mean, we, we did like eight or nine of them. Um, I cannot wait. I mean, I cannot stress this enough. I cannot wait to go to Knoxville this weekend. There are a lot of you who are going to be there. I've heard from several of you. But I'm excited because Neyland Stadium is sold out. And they're checkering it as well. It's a great spectacle. They don't always do it. When they checker Neyland, it is a great spectacle. Here's what's important. The fan base is bought in. They don't expect to go to the SEC championship game this year, but they're bought back in. And Josh Heupel has delivered an early return on the investment that they were willing to make in him when a lot of the rest of the country wasn't. Now, having said that, that means there's going to be a big crowd of people there Saturday, but won't just be at Neyland Stadium. I guarantee you there'll be a ton of folks. There'll be a sea of red and black and maybe 
a smattering of blue down in Athens, Georgia, over in Fayetteville, first time in Razorback Stadium in a month. I guarantee you Arkansas is going to be a sight to behold. And like I told you, the weather's changing. So those short sleeve tees that we've been getting away with, no longer. So don't be the fool who's sitting there freezing to death Saturday. Just head over to Academy Sports and Outdoors because they have everything you need. I think we've well established that on the program. And they take care of us. And that's, well, to us at least, the most important thing. But you've taken care of them as well. So we're all just kind of taking care of each other around here. But you need the canopy, they got you covered. You need the grill, they got you covered. You need the long sleeve, they got you covered. You need the pullover, they got you covered. I don't even care if you want to wrap yourself up in a blanket. I'm not here to judge. If you want to, we're not here to judge. We're here to tell you where to go. Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you can't, I had someone from Iowa hit me up and say, I don't have an academy in my neighborhood, in my city. What do I do? Academy.com. Thanks, JP. Then he sent me a receipt. I think he spent like $130. Academy Sports and Outdoors. It is the official outdoor sporting goods supplier and just the official partner in general of Late Kick. So give them a heads up or don't give them a heads up. Just head over there and get whatever you need. It's going to be a great weekend across the country. going to be a great weekend. When that weather changes, there's something about it. That's synonymous with stretch run football. All right, we have got an inordinate amount of teams that are still in what you would call quote-unquote contention. Now, we have not done a playoff segment yet on this show since the season started, and I would not qualify this as a playoff segment. But I do want to take a look at some contenders out there, some teams that are undefeated. Maybe you got one loss, but you're still in what we would call that playoff picture. But really, I'm looking at conference championship pictures because this year, if you're in that, by default, you're probably in the college football playoff picture. There is no undefeated, well, there is no unbeatable team out there. Even Georgia. There is no unbeatable team out there right now. Even Michigan. Even any of these undefeated teams. There are vulnerabilities. A lot of the teams we're about to talk about have a lot more strengths than vulnerability. So I want you to understand something. On this show, when we talk about the Tier 1 and Tier 2 teams, we don't waste time praising them. Everyone knows Georgia's got a really, really good defense, okay? Everyone knows that Oklahoma's got a really, really good quarterback room. We're not wasting time with that. you got to understand it's a privilege to be in this conversation. If you're not, that means you're not doing enough on the field. But once you get into this conversation, we start to pick you apart with a little more fine-tooth of comb. And so it's going to sound like it's more critical. That's because it is, but that's only because we've, we've switched the microscope. You know how you go up strength a couple of, couple of notches? That's what we're doing to these teams. Where are the potential vulnerabilities? Let's start with Georgia. Preface, I think Georgia is number one in the country right now. The AP's got them there. The JP polls got them there. That is the backdrop with which all of this perceived negativity is about to be hurled at Georgia. Because it's almost impossible right now, trust me, I am a longtime resident of the state of Georgia, to have a properly contextualized conversation about the potential vulnerabilities of Georgia without someone screaming in your face. However, I'm going to do it anyway. Stetson Bennett is the biggest vulnerability here. It's been a very popular talking point over the last couple of weeks to say, especially in my home state, Stetson Bennett gives them the best chance to win a national championship. Now, he is playing well enough to where even if JT Daniels is cleared to go, especially with the added mobility factor that Stetson Bennett gives you and the overall makeup of this team, he's the better option. And therein lies the problem, because that's not true. He is the better option right now, obviously, because JT Daniels hasn't been cleared. And the predicament Georgia football will find itself in is Stetson Bennett, fortunately slash unfortunately, is plenty good enough for Georgia to steamroll pretty much everyone they play. If they show up with a B-plus caliber game or better, 
they are good enough to run the table in the regular season. That's the good news. The bad news is that ain't the goal. And so eventually down the road, I know Georgia folks are tired of hearing this, someone's going to score on you. May not be 35, but someone's going to score on you. And in order to get where you want to be, which as far as I can tell is not merely Atlanta, but you want to get all the way to <laughs> Indianapolis, can you believe we're saying that? We're not, going to meet, we're not going to visit Steve Wolfong either. We're going to Indianapolis to crown a college football champion. But having said that, they don't let me pick the locations or we wouldn't have been in Santa Clara a few years ago, believe me. In order to get there, there's going to be a stretch eventually for Georgia, probably starting in Atlanta, where you have to face two or three teams that can stretch the field vertically, that have plus to elite balance offensively, and can strain your defense in ways that it hasn't been strained so far. Again, Georgia's got the best defense in the country. It is not impenetrable. So what does that mean? What it means is it seems unfathomable right now that you could turn on the TV Saturday against Kentucky and Georgia could be down 14 to 3. Unfathomable. For the record, I agree with that. That's pretty unfathomable. It's possible against Oklahoma. It's possible against Alabama. It's possible against Ohio State. You feel totally comfortable with Stetson Bennett in the prior role. What about the role that I just presented? What about that scenario? What if that were to crop up? It's possible down the stretch. We're not talking about certainties. We're talking about possibilities. And the fact of the matter is, as far as I'm concerned, Stetson Bennett has been the right guy for the job. Context is king here. Please hear what I'm saying. I ain't telling you he's a bad dude. I'm not telling you he's a bad player. I'm telling you he's been a very, very serviceable, very, very good player for them. And he's good enough to do everything you need to do in the regular season. If you want to win a national championship, I'm telling you there are qualities that JT Daniels possesses in his game that give you a better chance to reach the top of the mountain than Stetson Bennett will give you. That cannot be seen right now. You cannot see the cracks in the dam unless you're really close until the water pressure gets applied. There are a few cracks in Georgia's dam. There are cracks in every dam in this sport. They have not had the water pressure applied yet. And so it is sacrilege to speak ill of anyone. On that roster and on that team right now, I get it because I talk to you guys every single day. But it's there. Now, they could still win a title for all I know, even with Stetson Bennett. I'm telling you, the biggest vulnerability lies in that portion of the team. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What about Ohio State? Defensive concerns have not evaporated with this team. Believe me, we knew even in August when we looked at a Big Ten helmet grid schedule, we knew there was a little bit of jelly inside the middle of that Ohio State schedule. And they're right smack dab in the middle. It's been really sweet, hasn't it? Because you've gotten really fat on it. And therefore, when you made the coaching changes on the defensive side of the ball and then you see the results against inferior competition, Sometimes it can lead you to believe that permanent changes have been made and all the wrongs have been righted. Now, most Buckeye fans do not believe this. They know there's coming a time down the stretch where it'll pop up again. They just hope they've improved enough defensively. And I hope you have too. My biggest question is whether you have. Uh, there are some numbers, like they're 110th in the country in plays given up of 10 yards or more. You're just not facing a lot of teams right now that are capable really of exposing that, but you're looking at the remainder of their schedule. If you're watching on YouTube right now, 
Uh, they play at Indiana coming up after the bye. Then they got Penn State coming in. Anyone, I'll give you $5 if you tell me who's going to start for quarterback at, uh, at Penn State at that game. But they play Nebraska, Purdue. I know what you're thinking to yourself. You're thinking, when are these games going to come? Well, we're talking about making it all the way. So if it doesn't happen in Big Ten play, if it doesn't happen in Indianapolis, it'll happen in the playoff. They will face that pushback in the playoff. And they will face a quarterback and a receiving core that can throw on them and run on them in the playoff. So those are the Big Ten Eastern Division standings right now. Uh, for the record, talk to an odds-making buddy. I told you this the other night. I just forget what all I told you because uh, the throat went berserk. Eventually, Ohio State would be at least a touchdown to an eight-point favorite over everyone else in the Big Ten right now. So I know they're not ranked ahead of everyone, but we have them power-rated ahead of everyone for that reason. So moving forward, regardless of what's happening against Oregon, that's how odds makers see it. But then again, Ohio State's been favored in games before that they've lost. So that's not a certainty. That just lets you know the lay of the land right now. Uh, what about Iowa? Let's stay in the Big Ten. Uh, this is obvious now. The biggest vulnerability is obvious. It's been the offense. They have made that irrelevant thus far because they have played the most complimentary style of football in America. I don't think any team in America is more perfectly in tune and at peace with the identity of their program and of their team than Iowa. Does it eventually run out? And we're not talking about over the span of four or five games. We're talking about going the distance here. And go, go the distance. Going the distance here, James Earl Jones. Going the distance here would mean that you have to ride a wave of defensive points, special teams, shining and turnovers and whatnot the entirety of the season. That's hard to do even on Xbox. Pretty much impossible to do in uh, real life. 121st in yards per play. That is the Iowa offense. They are the currently, as they stand right now, so let me give you a little stat, Chris Hummer, I believe, you know what, I don't want to do this, you don't ever want to improperly attribute, period, but you especially don't want to do it when it is your own company, oh, the article's gone, listen, there's like a 70% chance Chris Hummer wrote this article, and if he didn't, he'll write something good before the end of the week, and I will update you on who wrote this wonderful article, but it uh, was on 247sports.com when I started the show, Whomstever wrote that article came up with the following stat. The worst ever yards per, or, um, yeah, yards per play in the college football playoff. So, so let me reset that because I butchered it. They didn't. Yards per play. It's a metric a lot of people follow. The worst ever team in that category to make the playoff was Michigan State in 2015. They were 81st. Currently, Iowa is 121. Crazier things have happened. Just giving you a little frame of reference there. Cincinnati, twofold here are the vulnerabilities, at least the biggest that I think face the Bearcats. The first is very, very general. It's just the weight of November. November weighs a whole lot. That's why a lot of teams crumple under the weight of it. And especially if you have not dealt with expectation that deep into a season. The football season is so long. When you're a fan and you're watching it, you find yourself saying, boy, this season flew by. You notice how no players ever say that? You notice how no coaches ever say, boy, this season's really flying by? And if they do, those words are said way before November. Uh-uh. November lasts like 19 weeks, it feels like, especially if you have a single-digit number next to your name, meaning the expectations are out of this world, and it's like a tightrope walk on a 50-story building. You cannot slip or else you're street pizza. Your hopes and dreams are splattered all over the pavement. Very graphic, but I think necessary for the point I'm trying to make here. So that's the first thing. They're just dealing with expectation they've never dealt with before. The second thing is that offense at Cincinnati 
has been good, but it's been good in spurts. Therefore, it's also had a tendency to have a drought period every now and then. Uh, also, third down and red zone. Third down numbers here. They are 74th in third down efficiency. Not anything to write home about. And they're 70th in red zone scoring. And that is uh, at least partially due to a subpar kicking game there. So that's the kind of stuff that can bite you. I'll give you an example. We're not even talking about them this weekend. They play, I want to say, Central Florida. That may be a Friday night game. Regardless, they play Central Florida Saturday or, or this week. They're a 21-point favorite. I, are we paying attention to it? No, we're not really paying attention to it. But that's the kind of game, because Cincinnati does not have this, this Georgia versus Kentucky talent edge. They're a better team. And you've had, obviously, quarterback situations and whatnot at, at Central Florida. But on any given Thursday or Friday or Saturday, this is not the kind of team that can just roll its helmet out there. It's not the kind of conference where that happens. Keep an eye on every single game. For that matter, keep an eye on Iowa versus Purdue. When you're getting by in the manner in which Iowa's getting by, and you're in the 120s total offense, everyone on your schedule virtually can beat you. Now, you could also suffocate everyone on your schedule. A lot of variance in these games right now. What about Oklahoma? They're allowing too many explosive pass plays. That's what about Oklahoma. And obviously, that's going to continue more and more as the games get bigger. They're 111th in explosive plays allowed in the air. Yeah, 111. So you want to get to the mountaintop, you're going to face some teams that can throw the ball on you. It takes a certain level of speed out wide, though, to really magnify that. And that's why against certain teams, you're probably going to see Oklahoma put a really good defensive product on the field. I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about winning the Big 12 and winning the Big 12 alone. Xavier Worthy went off against Oklahoma last week. That's because he can run by everyone in the secondary. So can Jamison Williams at Alabama. So can a couple of them they have at Ohio State. And so that's the kind of stuff you got to get ready for. You're looking at the remainder of Oklahoma's schedule. They are favored, as they should be, the rest of the way. Do you see any receiver combos that terrify you? I think Texas Tech's an interesting matchup. But I really don't think that Oklahoma is going to have nearly as much to worry about on the back end of this schedule you're looking at, if you're watching on YouTube, as they potentially would, not even in the Big 12 championship game, as much as first round of playoff or national championship. And the last one's Alabama. And you have fresh in your mind the loss that they incurred to Texas A&M. To me, the biggest vulnerability with Alabama is overall caliber of defense. That, combined with the fact that this offense, although it's been good, it does not have the blanket bailout ability that it had last year. Think about the Ole Miss game last year. It was a nightmare defensively. They gave up 48 points. It didn't matter because they scored 62 or 63. This offense this year is good, but it's obviously off a tick or two from last year, as will pretty much every offense you see in America. And so I've told you before, I think schematically, now I don't know to what degree we'll see this, I think you'll see some changes. That's as far as I'm going, because if you ask me which ones, I don't necessarily know. What I do know is there's no way Nick Saban and Pete Golding watched the game film against A&M and said, all right, yeah, certainly, that's what we want to do moving forward. Just didn't work out for us. There were too many times that their players were put in positions where they couldn't make plays. Our, our buddies, uh, college football nerds, actually, they, they post on a lot of the 24-7 boards. Now, I think it may have been... You know, I don't even know which one of them it was, to be honest with you. Siamese twins, as far as I'm concerned. But they were talking about situations, for instance, trying to cover a running back out of the backfield, where you task an outside linebacker with that, and trying to run through traffic uh, before you even catch up with a guy equal to or faster than you. 
it was a non-starter. The point is, when you watch that A&M Alabama game, there are guys from the moment the ball snapped that you have no shot of covering given schematically how you planned on coverage in that play. So I'm saying all that to say, I think you'll see some schematic changes, but personnel changes is what I'm interested in. And I don't know that it happens if you're looking at the schedule here. I don't know if it happens Saturday at Mississippi State. I don't know if it happens against Tennessee last week. So many of you pointed out my inaccuracy the other night. No, they don't have a bye after this week. They got a bye after the Tennessee game. So yes, it's not actually, it's not exactly the easiest defensive challenge to just hop and skip over the Tennessee passing game right now. Then they'll have a bye. What I'm saying is, I wonder how many kids that we're not regularly seeing in the rotation now that we will see. Not even specifying a position. Wide receiver could be that. Right tackle could be that. Um, uh, Secondary could be that. I don't know. So we'll see. But those are vulnerabilities. They're relative, as I said, with all these teams because these are very, very good teams. All right, the last thing I wanted to do here before I hand out some best bets, I wanted to talk about this transfer portal situation for just a second. Some interesting stuff's happening with Dabo Swinney. Now, Clemson is off the national radar. They've already lost two games. Uh, They got Syracuse, I think, on a Friday night this week. And so not a lot of you are paying attention to that necessarily, but you are paying attention, at least according to our web traffic patterns, to what Dabo Swinney's saying about the transfer portal. And I knew this was coming. We talked about this at length over the summer. Now, I thought Clemson was going to have a great year. So I did not think there was going to be any kind of disastrous setback this year that was going to force him to be talking about it in October. But yet here we are. The transfer portal, I'm going to get to Dabo's comments in a second. Transfer portal, as we can clearly see, has been revolutionary. We spent an inordinate amount of time. Actually, we invested an inordinate amount of time on it because it wasn't just given away. It has a lot of meaning to it over the summer talking about the transfer portal. Think about Oklahoma. Oklahoma it's affecting them right now in the way that Lincoln Riley handles his quarterback room because he's trying to be careful not to lose one so that he's in a precarious depth situation. With Michigan State, there is a phenomenal article on The Athletic today about Michigan State and Mel Tucker's leveraging of the transfer portal. They brought in 15 kids, totally overhauled the team in one summer. We don't believe in the O word around here. Penn State, had they had their backup quarterback who exited via the portal, Will Levis, to go to Kentucky. Had they had him at Iowa, they may very well have won that game. Alabama, where would they be without Jamison Williams? They lost all that receiver talent. They got one from Ohio State, who is their best wide receiver right now. He is a difference maker in every sense of the word. So all that said, what about Clemson? Clemson famously, Dabo Swinney famously, has not taken a player out of the transfer portal yet. And he had some things to say this week, did Dabo Swinney. Now here's what I don't want to do. I feel like Dabo Swinney is very polarizing. People either love him or hate him. There's really no in-between. I'm actually in-between. I really don't have strong feelings one way or the other. I respect the culture he's built up there. I certainly respect him being able to put together a winner against the best to ever do it a couple of times in sort of a polar opposite approach, which just shows you there's more than one way to skin the old college football cat. But what I want to avoid that I see a lot of people do is they either intentionally or just accidentally misquote the guy or they miscontextualize what he's saying. So here's what Dabo Swinney has said right now. What he said right now is, I, Dabo Swinney, have not seen fit to go into the transfer portal to try and help our team. Now what he hasn't said is, I'm against transfer portal, I'll never go in there, case closed, you will never see me go in the transfer portal no matter what. That's not what he said. 
So I want to make that clear because I've got some difference of opinion here with Davos Swinney, but I'm not going to misquote the guy. So let's fairly inaccurately and warmly quote him, but then let's talk about where I think, this is where my opinion comes in, where I think the Clemson program is right now. I think Dabo Swinney built a blind spot for himself. It's the easiest thing in the world to adapt when things go wrong. Easiest thing in the world to do. The best out there, the winners, the A-types, the ones that hang out at the mountaintop, they're the ones changing and evolving everything and doing a continuous inventory even as they're out in front of everyone. They're leading the pack and they're evolving on the fly. You do not get to take the ship into port every time you need to plug a leak. Sometimes the best captains, they got to plug the leak right out over the open sea. And that's hard to do. That is re- First off, it's really hard to even know you need to do it. And then secondly, when it comes time to do it, sometimes the platform for your success becomes a bunch of prison bars around you because it's so atypical. It's so against human nature to say, the way that I'm doing it got me here. Why would I change that? If you're in a static environment, that is a sound philosophy, but you're not. Everything's moving around you. Every team's adjusting. The sport never sits still. So what works today may need some tweaking to work three years from now. And the transfer portal was a giant, not a pebble, but a boulder thrown in the stream. And so some programs have figured out a way to navigate around it or at least navigate, at best utilize it, and some haven't. And so Dabo Swinney, I fully believe him when he says, I don't feel like I've needed to use the portal. Here's my concern for Clemson. My concern is you're seeing a shift from mere pragmatism to a lot of personal attachment to this because now it's become kind of a topic du jour, kind of, kind of a cause that Dabo Swinney has attached him to. I hope that's not the case. My fear is it is the case because at that point, pride enters into the equation. And at that point, you're only increasing your own blind spot. This is a reality. And if Clemson utilized this reality properly, they would realize, much like Oklahoma, much like Georgia, much like Alabama, they would be a destination spot for kids out of the transfer portal. They're going to have to do it. My feel is they eventually will do it. My question is, how long will it take them to do it? Dabo Swinney's kidding himself if he doesn't think a couple of those offensive linemen who transferred to places like Notre Dame could be helping them right now. He's kidding himself if he doesn't think Jamison Williams who is popping the top off every defense he faces at Alabama, couldn't be helping them right now. You've seen a receiver run a sub-465 in Clemson, South Carolina recently? Because I haven't. They all look the same to me. They're really ultra-physical. They're really ultra-impressive. I mean, they're not outrunning anyone. And so, yes, there have been guys. Now, the question that we can't know is, what is Clemson's list of criteria, and did any of those guys match the criteria? Maybe not even from a pure skill set or physical standpoint. I don't know. What I do know is I do not think it's necessary for Dabo Swinney or Clemson to adjust their overarching concreted philosophy on life and football in order to tweak their program to open themselves up to benefiting from the transfer portal. What I hope is that happens. What I, I won't say fear because it's not ultimately going to impact me, but what I am concerned is happening is because he's the face of this now. Dabo's the face of anti-portal. You know, you can't just be, you can't just have opinions on something. You gotta be pro or anti everything these days. And so he has become anti-portal. Don't be anti-portal guy. Don't be that. Have your approach, but man, have enough built-in flexibility to where you can look to the left and right, to where you as the leader of the organization can make an adjustment here. This is here to benefit you, man. The other ones out there, the other programs out there, should be the ones concerned. 
you should be the one frothing at the mouth knowing, like Mel Tucker, I mean, no disrespect, but if Mel Tucker at Michigan State was able to do this, imagine what I, Dabo Swinney, could do at Clemson and not have to sacrifice an ounce of principle to do it, is what I'm saying. It's not like you're selling your soul to the devil and in exchange you get two players out of the transfer portal. That's not the way this works. You don't take a kid from a character standpoint from the portal that you wouldn't take on the recruiting trail. Believe it or not, there are good kids in the portal too. Like There are some quality, there are some quality citizens in the transfer portal. So I think they'll make this move. The only question is when will they do it? All right, let's get to best bets and then we'll wrap it up here. We've almost made it, Colin. Cross your fingers. A couple of more minutes. Uh, we have added, so let me tell you who we're already on. We're on Arizona plus five and a half. That is available at six right now. We're taking backup quarterbacks all over the country this week, by the way. So we're taking Arizona plus five and a half. We're on Texas Tech minus 16 and a half. They're at Kansas. We expect a blowout. We're taking Fresno State minus three. Now that's out there at three and a half now. The model still likes it to about a 63% cover probability at, at three and a half. For obvious reasons, we would like it at three. We got it at three. It is still a play at three and a half. Tennessee plus three. We think the Vols are going to win outright Saturday night. So we're taking Vols plus three. Virginia Tech plus five is one of our added best bets. Quarterback questions, could not care less. They're at home versus Pitt. We're taking Hokies plus five. And here's the other added best bet. We already talked about this game tonight. Indiana at home against undefeated Michigan State plus four and a half. So Hoosiers plus four and a half. Hokies plus five. We got Vols plus three. Fresno minus three. Texas Tech minus 16 and a half. And Arizona plus five and a half. I, tomorrow, am driving to Knoxville, Tennessee. I'll be there for the first time in like five years. I'm going to have a whole pocket full of Academy gift cards. When you see me, ask for one. As long as they're in supply in my pocket. Don't reach into the pocket. That's a no-no. HR has already told me that's a no-no. I wouldn't mind, but they mind. So HR says, don't reach into my pants, but I will reach into my pants for you and pull out a surprise, which is just an Academy gift card and an Academy gift card alone. It's going to be a fun time. Check her kneeling. Bring a jacket. Going to be a little cool. That concludes the weather report. And that concludes a very, very good week here on Late Kick. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and make sure you're following on Instagram and Twitter at Late Kick Josh. Until Sunday night, where we will have no doubt a lot to talk about. For Director Colin, our entire crew in Fort Lauderdale, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your evening and a great rest of your week, and God bless.